Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale May 24th, 2023. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for Mermaid. Ooh, good, nice. Timing is coming up for Disney's The Little Mermaid. A little synergy for you here. This episode is mm-hmm. all about The Little Mermaid. No, but my daughter, three and a half year old, she's very excited. We already play Little Mermaid games where she has her be- wonderful imagination and like getting legs and, and who's Ursula and all kinds of stuff. So I anticipate seeing that in theaters two to four times. Same. And I don't even have a three-year-old. <laughs> and that's okay. That's quite all right. But look, we're not here to talk about movies. Probably not. We are here to talk about all the Marvel comics on sale this week because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about Marvel comics. We give you some details and reasons to check out each of these books. We'll pick our three personal picks, tell you which ones they are, why we say please go check these out above and beyond all the others. Um, And then we'll also tell you about every other book on sale this week. We'll pull a quote from one of this week's comics and use it as an award to hand out to all the comics. Stay tuned for that. Plus, we'll run through all the new Infinity Comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, give you some highlights of collections, new issues to MU this week, and more. On top of that, Jasmine, we've got a great reading club this week. Yes, we're going to be talking to Jess, a.k.a. female Peter Parker. She's a huge content creator over on TikTok and Instagram. We've been working with her to do like a weekly reading club with MU where she's hosting like a reading club. So I figured why not bring these two together? And so we're going to be talking about the book that they just covered last Sunday, which was Moon Knight, The Midnight Mission, which covers the first six issues of Moon Knight by Jed McKay and Alessandro Capuccio. And it's fun. Like we have we have a couple surprises in store for her. uh, So Mm -hmm. definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah, it's a good convo and and some good surprises a little bit later in the show. But right now, let's dive into our picks of the week, starting with Fury number one. This is a big 60th anniversary celebration of all things Nick Fury. It's really cool because it does look back at Fury in World War II, Fury in the the nascent 60s super spy era of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fury in his more modern versions, and then Nick Fury Jr. and where he is in the Marvel Universe, um, all couched around this idea is, who is Scorpio? Uh, Which is really cool. It's written all, the whole thing is written by Al Ewing, and it's got a wonderful series of artists in here, including Scott Eaton and Cam Smith, Tom Riley, Adam Kubert, Ramon Rosanas, and colored all throughout by Jordi Belair with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So we went all out for this friggin' issue. Brought in heavy hitters to tell the story, and it shows. Uh, first things first, two covers. It's got a bunch of variant covers, but <sighs> dang, we've got a, a just incredible Chris Samney, uh, Matthew Wilson yes. variant, which... I love, 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 love. And Mike Del Mundo does a hell of a variant for this one. Just using the the, the sort of Steranko-esque typography in it. It is beautiful. Um, yeah, so we are in this and there's just, it, there's a sort of opening story of Nick Fury, the young current junior version Uh, following up on a lead. And then that spins us out into looking back at various tales and seeing how Nick Fury has connected with Scorpio uh, across the year. Scorpio, his brother, who was the Nick Fury's brother back in the day, Scorpio as an entity, Scorpio as a a different person. So it's really playing on that. And 
that sort of the fun of Nick Fury, whatever iteration, you can play around with some of these themes and see how they twist and turn based on the genre, based on the era, but they still retain that cool factor about them. Um, there's when we get to switch into these different versions, we also get the artists to give their different spins on those eras. So you've got Scott Eaton with the, the framing and the opening, introducing the new Scorpio, which is really good. Tom Riley with the beautiful, trippy, cool 60s spy action Nick Fury. It's my favorite. Oh, it's so good. Wonderful stuff. Great comics. Uh, and then you get Adam Kubert coming in and just like flexing, doing gorgeous World War II stuff. Just absolutely bananas and it's all fun it's all al ewing giving us um humor and heart mystery spy stuff getting weird with it all and then ramon rosanas ties it all together in the present day uh i i don't want to give away too much but it does tie into uh, a recent scene we saw in fantastic four number 700 and the return of something kind of big for the marvel universe but it also seems and feels like a way to say all right here's where we're moving with nick fury Mm -hmm. going forward the nick fury that you may have known from a long time is doing this the nick fury that we have now is doing this and it feels good it feels tying things up and it also if you've never read a fury book this is a great issue to get a sense of all those different eras all the different ways that nick has been used and can be used and how wonderfully flexible this character Uh, And these characters can be. So yeah, hell of an issue. All right, next up, we have my first pick of the week, which is Hellcat issue number three. Look, I am a Hellcat fan. I love Patsy Walker. And I love the stuff that Chris Cantwell is doing because not only is he, you know, telling this like mystery slash like, I don't want to, it's not necessarily horror, but it's got like, you know, that vibe of like demons. Cause like, I mean, she, her name's Hellcat. Like (laughs) hell is involved. But in this issue, we have Chris Cantwell writing with art by Alex Linz, colors by KJ Diaz, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. And I need to like quickly, I like Betsy Cola. Anything Betsy Cola does, like I will buy. But her doing a Patsy Walker Hellcat cover in this, mm-hmm. gorgeous. I, I need this cover. And this is probably like the fourth variant cover I've bought for this series this year. And keep in mind, there's only been three issues. Uh, so <laughs> you do the math. Uh, but there's also a Spider-Verse variant by Jesus Arbatov, which also really dope. Uh, highly recommend you get your hands on that one. But I just love the, the stuff that Chris Cantwell is doing. Because not only is he tying it to all the, like, you know, demonic and, like, stuff that comes from, you know, Patsy's past. Uh, when she was in The Defenders, when she was dating uh, Damian Hellstrom. Uh, but also she, he's tying it to her childhood, uh, traumas, which I think is really interesting. Cause not only are we seeing her, you know, cause usually when we, when we get Patsy Walker stories, usually the thing that we hear a lot about or the things that she's coping and dealing with are the fact that her mom, like, you know, <laughs> wrote these stories about her as a child when she was a child and like, she became a child star of sorts, um, and having to deal with that. But also like the thing that I like that. In, that this series is doing is also exploring her relationship with her father and what that meant and what that looked like uh, during this time in, in her life because her parents are separated and we get a moment where her dad comes to her as a child. It's a memory. It opens up with this yeah. where her dad's like, why don't you come with me instead? I, you know, I'm a born again, like, you know, I'm, I'm now a pastor and like all this other stuff. And like, 
he's kind of turning a new leaf, but she doesn't believe him. And she laughs and her mom laughs. And it's, it's, it's sad because you're wondering like, oh, like, I wonder what Patsy's life would have looked like. It might have turned out a little bit different if she had taken that chance or she had taken that route. Um, and there's a lot of those types of questions that are being asked here. Like, don't get me wrong. There's still big action scenes. There's like a, a crazy like moment where she is taking on Damien's brother, Blackheart. And like, we kind of get to learn about, you know, why Sleepwalker was watching uh, Patsy's boyfriend of sorts. So interesting stuff going on here. The art's fantastic. I've really been enjoying this. Yeah. All right. On to our last pick of the week, which is Thor number 34. Again, friggin' Torn Grunbeck. We love you. You did great. Uh, Torin wrote this issue with pencils by Juan Gedeon and Sergio Davila, inks by Juan and Sean Parsons, colors by Matthew Wilson, and lettering and design by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, look, there's there's a lot going on here. You've got this sort of a couple of different eras that were in this issue, a couple of different uh, storylines that we're following, and a bunch of different characters. Uh, but we've got. Thor versus Dr. Doom versus Thanos. It's really Thanos versus Doom and then Doom picks up a baby and then Thor's coming in and then Thor's sister is there. Like you don't got forget, a lot of Yeah, don't forget that Thor's new sister is Lousa, there. And just the best. We have Lausa, we also have Hela in there. We also have Valkyrie like and Jane Foster. Like this book is stacked. Yeah, it is it stacked is a great way to to describe it. Um but there's a moment in the the conversation and right before like the, in the confrontation between Dr. Doom and Thanos and doom um, doom talking to Thanos. Cause Thanos is like trying to destroy something. I don't want to give it away, but uh, talking about ultimate power and doom's like, this is the quote I want to quote. Cause it's so good quote. If you have all of creation in your hands, if you can change the very essence of life and all you can think of is to end it, it speaks to a deficient imagination. Right there, Doom just burned Thanos to Dude, the ground. I, this is like watching two housewives, like, just like go at it. Like, they are like at the peak of their games, like just, uh, yeah. they're just, they're so petty and I love it. Yeah, we've talked a bunch in these previous couple of issues that uh, Doom has been and how much we love Torin's Doom. And I really like him here because he he sees the forest for the trees. He sees the bigger picture. He understands what's going on, even when everyone around him doesn't always. And you can see that he is so multi-layered and thinking about, oh, what I do here has a larger impact. And I'm not here just to prove that I am the greatest of all because I am the greatest of all by doing what I do. I'm proving it. And it's like all this stuff, this great psychology going on here. So Blessed, blessed be that we have Doom, we have Thanos. They're a lot of fun in this issue. But again, Thor and Lausa, so tremendous. Lausa is Thor's sister. She's been aged up a little bit, so she's like teenager and just the absolute best. She's so I much love fun. Her. There's a great scene in here with Brune, who's one of the resurrected uh, Desir, <laughs> aka former Valkyrie, who's like all monstrous looking, but she's playing peekaboo with this little kid. It is just delightful. There's moments of that, the like fun and and sweet mixed in with, you know, titans and gods and all kinds of wild stuff. Uh, it is really great. There's Lausa gets a sword and it pulls in this essence of a wolf and she just goes, wolf sword. Yeah. 
fucking love that moment. I it's love it. So she's good. filthy mouth. She's funny. She's excited. Like, let's freaking go. Give us more of her, please. There's twists and turns and all kinds of stuff in here. It has been a really fun story arc, and I can't wait for more. All right, those were our picks, but now time for our awards and community section, starting with last week's award. What did we have, Jasmine? Yes, so last week's award was the Will Somebody Please Tell Wolverine to Stop Littering? It was an amazing quote. came from X-Men issue 22, and it revolved around Wolverine's dead skeletons just hanging out and being discovered by Orcus. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Uh, The winner this week was Adam Superfan, who uh, wrote in and said, found it in X-Men number 22. Did I win? Anyway, bought everything this week, but would love a copy of Avengers number one on digital because I won't pull codes off my books. Love y'all. Shout out to Mountain Meg, who did not find the quote, but uh, did get a great bunch of comics. Uh, I said, I picked up and love the remastered iconic X-Men number one, the Disney 100 variant cover for Amazing Spider-Man, penultimate Captain Marvel, and the Avengers number one, which I've been excited about for months. Hope you loved it as much as we did, Meg. And also just shout out to Karis. We love seeing pictures of Layla Dog. Hope she's feeling good. Yeah. All right. That was last week's award name. This week, we have a new award name. Are you ready to hear it, Ryan? I am. All right, we are going to be giving out the At Least I'm a Cute Nepo Baby Award. At Least I'm a Cute Nepo Baby. But if you find this quote, though, screen cap it and tweet to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're the first, I will reach out to you to get a recent digital comic of your choice. Please, of course, mark your messages as OK to read pull list so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please Give us their name and location so you can give them a shout out. We can give them a shout out. Everybody gets a shout out. Woo. Yes. But if you're not the first to find the quote, it's okay. We have another way for you to win. We've teamed up with Marvel Insider so that you can score some Marvel Insider points uh, just for listening to the podcast. So all you have to do is after you listen to the show, go to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel's pull list quote of the week activity. All you have to do is select the right quote name out of the four, which shouldn't be that hard because you listen to the pod. And uh, you'll get awarded 500 Marvel Insider points. Pretty easy. Woohoo. All right. Again, that quote of the week is at least I'm a cute Nepo baby. And we're going to give that out to all the other books this week, starting with Bishop War College number four. This is, I believe, the penultimate issue of this series. We've got two stories going on. We've got uh, Bishop and Tempo in an alternate reality, and then the Bishop's kids that he's been training in the Earth 616. Uh, but there's, you know what? I'm going to give my, at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award to Bishop's students taking on the Fenris twins because they take it right to those Nazi bastards, and we we love to see it. All right, next up we have Daredevil and Echo, issue number one. It's a brand new number one. It has a same day release over on MU as well. So if you have MU and you want to check this out, You'll be able to read it on day one of its release, but I am going to go ahead and give my award. I'm actually going to split it in half. I'm going to give my award to one half of my award to B. Earl and Taboo because I think they they found an interesting way to tell this story uh, between Daredevil and Echo uh, that involves their past. Like they might be a little bit more intertwined than they originally thought they were, um, which is pretty fascinating. The other half is definitely going to go to this scene that... uh, Phil Noto has drawn out where Daredevil is meeting uh, Echo on a rooftop and Echo is just 
minding her business, just drinking some coffee, enjoying, you know, the sunrise. And here comes Daredevil all like, we got stuff to do. And she's just like, okay, I guess I'll go help out. (laughs) But then, yeah, there's some personal stakes involved for her there. Yes. Yes. On to Extreme Venomverse number two. This has a couple of different stories in here. There's a really gross Carnage versus Venom story that is nasty, but I want to give my at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award to the story about Black Cat yes. getting symbiote. So much fun. Uh, you've got an amazing Bagman appearance. You've got Felicia being awesome and wonderful and some really Really great art by Vincenzo Caruto, who slings a little bit of Pepe Larraz vibes here. It's, it's real fun. All right. In the same vein of being bothered while you're just, you know, doing some, just hanging out, trying to do some self-care. Uh, this week we have Hollow's Eve issue number three, and I'm going to give my award to Marcus, who is the former Beyond employee who is helping Hollow's Eve in this issue. But Man's just trying to play some Mario Kart. And here comes Janine <laughs> being like, hey, I need your help. Can you hack into Beyond Corp? And he's just like, okay, fine. Yeah, it's fun. All right, we've got New Mutants Lethal Legion number three out this week. Uh, there's just, it's a wacky, fun issue, but also with some big feelings and some sad and good character stuff. I want to give our, at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award to just all the events going on at Count Nefaria's Yonkers estate, uh, I which I, I love. Like there are very big houses in Yonkers, which is funny, but having living two minutes from where this could take place. It's very funny. Uh, but you got like heist going wrong, a lot of flirting happening, uh, nefarious, just being a total D bag. It is a time. All right. Next up, we have Spider-Man 2099 dark Genesis issue number four. And I'm going to go ahead and give my, at least I'm a cute Nebo baby award to the, the clever way that Steve Orlando has for Spider-Man to essentially lure carnage uh, his way. And it's a good moment of like synergy between the artist and the writer. Uh, the artist on this book is Justin Mason, but essentially the way that it is drawn out in panels, it like, it makes it gross. It makes it intriguing, but like it does a good job at showing and not telling. Um, and I thought it was, it was a good, interesting moment. Gross, yeah. but interesting. <laughs> Speaking of gross things, we've got Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red, number two. There's a story in here with Vader versus these uh, these creatures that are very reminiscent of the Brood or Xenomorphs. And like even seeing Vader having to fight without his mask on, which is bananas. Really cool I didn't know that it. that could happen. Right? I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, but it gets our, at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award for the the first story where you've got Vader strapped to a surgical bed, about to be cut to pieces, and just destroying everyone. It is a wild, amazing scene where like people are running screaming and they're like, oh God, oh God, oh God. It's uh yeah, Jason Aaron writing some some more great, great Vader. Next up, another Star Wars book, Star Wars, The High Republic issue number 10. I'm going to give my award, I'm going to give my at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award to the leveler, um, which is a very interesting creature uh, that I don't know, like I would keep an eye on because I was very fascinated with what this monster can do and also like what and who controls it uh, with what I'm going to call a Sailor Moon staff uh, because that's what (laughs) it looks like, but it's like a Star Wars eyes. Yeah. Sailor Moon staff. Um, But 
very, very intrigued about these levelers. Yeah. All right. We've got Storm number one this week, which is another same day release. So you can check it out on Marvel Unlimited uh, starting on Wednesday of this week. You can also pick it up, of course, at your local comic shop, Storm number one. And uh, we got Anna Senti going back to a classic version of the X-Men, classic version of Storm. It's Storm, um, you know, shortly after she had taken control of both leadership for the X-Men and the Morlocks. So, I mean... I'm a big fan of this period. You've got a storm in her punk look, but there's a moment in here. I don't know, not necessarily my, my uh, pick my award moment, but Wolverine basically calling out storms, punk cred. And I I, like, I cracked up. I thought of you. Yeah. I I laughed because he's like, you got the look, but like, come on. Anyway, I want to give my, at least I'm a cute Nepo baby award to, uh, to rogue just being ridiculous and she gets drunk with uh with kitty and there's a line here she says i'm drunker than a peach orchard hog and i cracked up there's a, a whole lot of that there's it, it, it's a fun issue and uh getting to see storm like cutting loose thinking about herself but also flirting with somebody like there's a lot going on in this one next up we have warlock rebirth issue number two and i think last month when we got this issue i just praised Eve Warlock, and I'm still going to praise Eve Warlock, even though we find out who is her creator and who is behind all this nonsense. All right, last new book of the week is The Excellent Number Three. This is the the wild continuing saga of the ecstatics and all those characters in that part of the Marvel Universe. It is banana. Uh, there's a great character, a robot named Docs, who hates and he hungers for revenge, and I can't wait to see how that plays out. Uh, and you forget how characters in these books by uh, Peter Milligan and, and Mike Allred, they could just die at any second. Like, everybody is potentially expendable, uh, which is adds a lot of fun, and it gets a little wild. Um, but I will give my At Least I'm a Cute Nepo Baby award to just the satire that they lay on here about Hollywood and fame and celebrity. Uh, the the Hollywood Walk of Fame is getting um, attacked. Like the actual stars are getting attacked. And one of the characters says, the Hollywood Walk of Fame is more than just a sidewalk. It represents everything we stand for. And it said so earnestly, I just <laughs> cracked up. This Amazing. All right, that's it for our fabulous fresh floppies this week. We're going to talk about the Infinity Comics, but if you want to learn about the collections and all the other digital books coming to MU, as well as the back issues, uh, definitely check the show notes. Uh, We'll have them all listed out there, but make sure to go to marvel.com to get the latest. Yeah, over on the Infinity Comics side of things, uh, we're just plugging along with a lot of different series, X-Men Unlimited, Spider-Verse, Avengers, Marvel's Voices, and Iron Fist Pay. The uh, Love Unlimited, Aaron Fisher story. Um, we've got a series finale in Guardians of the Galaxy, The Jewel of Death. We've got second issue for Lil Rocket out this week. And then uh, two adaptations, a bunch of issues of Rocket and Raccoon Groot Tall Tales and 14 issues of Amazing Spider-Man Spider-Verse now in Infinity Comics format. Yeah. We also have a couple special releases hitting the MU app uh, a little bit earlier than they normally would, but we have Amazing Spider-Man issue number 25, which I highly recommend you read before, you know, the big spoilers uh, that have been faded online. Uh, It's all over the internet. So if you don't want to be spoiled by issue number 26, 
and you want to get caught up, I would read this issue now and then pick up Amazing Spider-Man 26 next week because it's going to be a big one. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Avengers issue number one by Jed McKay is also available uh, today. Just came out last week. Now it's an MU. Amazing. Woo! Amazing. Uh, Danny Ketch Ghost Rider issue number one. Same thing there. And then we also have Silk issue number one, which also coming to the service a little bit early. Yeah, that was, I think, last week as well. Yeah. Was it? Wow. I know. As well as, like we mentioned earlier, Daredevil and Echo issue number one and Storm issue number one, which are both same day releases. So, yeah, really, really cool. You know what else is really cool? Talking about comics with a wonderful guest. Who do we got? What are we talking about? Yes, we're going to be talking to Jess, a.k.a. female Peter Parker, which if you're on TikTok, if you're on comics TikTok, I'm sure you've seen her. Uh, pop up on your For You page. Uh, But she does a weekly reading club every Sunday on Instagram Live where she talks about, you know, a Marvel comic book, easy books to get into, you know, comics for the first time. So we're going to talk to her about Moon Knight for six issues uh, called The Midnight Mission. So stay tuned for that. All right, Jasmine, time to say thwip, 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 and introduce our guest this week. It is Jess, a.k.a. Female Peter Parker. Hello, Jess. Hello. It's so lovely to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you. I mean, I've been watching your your TikTok videos. Uh, I followed you on, on Instagram and I've been following you do these reading clubs uh, with Marvel uh, online on Instagram Live. And I, I just wanted, like, I felt like, okay, you guys are doing a reading club. We're doing a reading club. Like, why not do a reading club together? <laughs> Combine them all. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll get into all that. Get into, of course, our book, which is Moon Knight, Midnight Mission, which is so freaking good. Um, but before we do that, Jess, can you tell us about your your origins as a Marvel fan? Uh, did you, you know, grow up reading comics? Did you um, go to a comic shop? What was it for you that really got you started as a Marvel head? When I was like 12 or 13, um, I started watching the Marvel movies. My dad was like a big influence to me for that because he liked Marvel and he was super into it. So he showed me and my siblings all the movies. And then we went to go see the first Avengers in theaters all together. So like big monumental turning point for me was Avengers 2012. Um, And, you know, like I've just been watching the films since then. And I never really like got into the comics before I met you guys like in the Marvel crew, um, which was really cool because I've always wanted to get into Marvel comics, but it was very intimidating for me sure. um, because there's so many to pick from. Like, and I just didn't know where to start or like even just like going into comic shops. It's like, what do you pick? Like, what do you do? You know? Um, and so when I started working with you guys back in 2021 for some Marvel Unlimited stuff, that's when I really started to get into the comics. And uh, my very first comic was Spider-Verse, which was so intense. (laughs) (laughs) Right into the deep end. Exactly. And I just remember like reading the first issue and being like, whoa, this is a lot. But it was so fun. Um, And, you know, ever since then, like, I just kept reading them and... I've just like gained a love for so many more characters and more of the Marvel universe that way. So thank you guys, because without you, I don't know if I'd ever get into the comics and it's been really helpful, like having Marvel and Marvel Unlimited to kind of like guide me along the way of like what to read. Cause like you guys are the experts, you know what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun. Like, I mean, 
I, I've been watching you kind of experience this because you talk about this on like the live. You know, you're pretty new to comics and it's just been such a thrill to see someone like like watch them in real time, like experience their first Marvel comics. And like I watched your your reading club from this past weekend uh, from when we were recording. The last one that you did was New Avengers, which we also covered on the show not too long ago uh, with Annalise Bissa, editor Annalise Bissa. And just to see your like ex- like experience going through those issues like for the first time, like I, that that was my bread and butter. That was my introduction to Marvel Comics. And to see your face just kind of like like just get excited about it and talk about it. And like I think at one point you were even like, oh, like I'm going to continue reading this. Like it, it, I could see that love and excitement in your eyes as well as like the sense of community with other people who are reading this with you. And it's like that's my favorite thing about comics. Yeah, I think especially with our like comic book club that we've been doing, I think that's one of the things I've loved so much about it is like getting to share the experience of like starting comics with other people who have also never read the comics before and just like learning more about the characters, especially for people who like me, like started with the movies and don't really necessarily know a lot about um, like the comic history and the characters there. Uh, and it's so fun to just learn more about different characters and like their origins and more story there. Um, and it just also the comics are just so crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just so much that goes down all the time. <laughs> I, I also I think it's it's really cool because we don't we're not here to gatekeep. We want everybody to get Never. into comics. And it's really important because like Jasmine and I got into comics our own way, but like we didn't start with like, here's the easiest way to get into comics. Most comic readers didn't have that. And I think that's okay. It, it gets intimidating, but I'm glad you were able to get in and dive in honestly on a really super complicated, wild freaking story. Cause Spider-Verse <laughs> is so many characters and there's so much continuity and it, it really does a great job of laying the groundwork for everything you need right in the story. But it's still like, whoa, 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 there's all this stuff. Um, I, I I find that really encouraging, especially for anyone else who is is trying to figure out their way in. And and have you talked to others? Like you, you mentioned some of the other people who you do this with. Are, did you get a sense of other books that they dove in or did, were they like, oh, I'm going to do Spider-Verse because you did Spider-Verse? I think just like watching the comments from the community has been so powerful just because like, I, I don't think sometimes we realize how much of an impact these have. And then you like look and there's so many people who are like, oh, like like we read um, Ultimate Spider-Man for our first issue when we were starting on TikTok for the club. And like so many people on the live were like, oh, I'm totally gonna keep reading this, you know? Like, and it's so cool. Um, and it like, especially where we're talking about like people who may not have been reading the comics before to be able to know that we were able to help them find a starting point, like a jumping off point that they want to continue reading is so awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we've mentioned Spider-Verse. You have like at least 20 different Spider-Man posters behind you, a Spider-Man plushie uh, in the background. And also your, your handle online is female Peter Parker Uh, can neither confirm nor deny that that is accurate. Uh, (laughs) You could be a clone. Uh, we don't know, but it sounds like you're a, a Spider-Man Peter Parker fan. I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> how, how did you know that? <laughs> I'm curious why Peter Parker? Why Spider-Man? I think Spider-Man is just such a like lovable and relatable character in so many different ways. Um, 
And I think, you know, like when Stan, like Stanley talking about it when he was like creating the character too, you can tell he, that was kind of his goal, like of trying to like make a character that people can relate to. Um, and I kind of got into Spider-Man's character around the time I was starting to get into high school. It was like late middle school age for me. Um, so I think in that sense, like I was super able to relate to him in the sense of like we were similar ages, you know. Um, but even just from a standpoint now, like he has so much about him that people can relate to from every standpoint, you know, like he has relationship problems that I'm sure many people can relate to. And like he has money troubles, like, <laughs> like you know, uh, poor Peter, he's always going through it. But <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly he is. Um, but even from just a standpoint of like his personality, like I think the way he just tries to like make light of life and like situations that he goes through is so inspiring and so empowering and like I just try to like hold on to that as a as a Spider-Man fan and remember that like he's there as a symbol of like inspiration yeah beautifully said uh you mentioned reading Ultimate Spider-Man how far have you did you did you go through all of Ultimate Spider-Man or I mean it's like 150 issues or whatever it is I haven't read all of it yet. I, I keep okay. meaning to go back to it. Um, I think we read, I'm trying to remember, I think we read issues one through six for our comic book club. Okay. Um, but I am like planning to read the rest of it. I'm so excited. You, you should. It is It is <laughs> the best. It's so good. Uh, but also to your namesake, maybe some connection there that you want <laughs> mm. to um, discover a little bit more as you get there. So it's... Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm I just I get so excited when I know people who are like diving into great books for the first time. Yeah. And especially when we Jasmine, when you and I have these conversations. When we read Daredevil 283 last week, and I've read that book that issue so many times and knowing like we're going to get people reading that one often or maybe people who read this Moon Knight for the first time. It's like that's so cool. That's just the best. It is. I'm glad you brought up the Moon Knight of it all because we, we are going to be talking about Moon Knight. It's six issues. Um, it's collected in a trade. You can also get it on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, but it's written by Jed McCade with Alessandro Capuccio on art, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. And this one got me really excited, especially for people's like first comics, like potential first comic, because I think this comic does something really well, which is each issue is its own standalone, like story. Tom Brevoort has a weekly newsletter and he recently wrote like a, a thing about how some of like some comics don't really tell a full like a single issue doesn't tell a full story. It tells just like part of it or it just feels like filler or like just a bunch of scenes. But this issue or these these six issues each carry their own story. They, there is like a an overarching story, but it's like you can literally dive in and read a single one of these issues out of order and you still can get that story. Like there is some growth and some movement, but it's just, it's, I, I forgot how full and like how much story is packed into each issue. Like, I, like I think we're currently in what the twenties or thirties right now of this run. Yeah. 23 ish. Yeah. And these first couple of issues, like those issues feel fast because I feel like we've been reading this so much that we're, we're kind of used to Jed McKay's style of writing and like storytelling. But when you go back and you read these, you're like, oh, wow, there's so much packed into these six issues. There's so many characters that are introduced. Like, I forgot Tiger gets introduced in issue three, four. Like, yeah. 
I, I thought that didn't happen until, you know, the teens. Um, we get Hunter's Moon right off the bat, which is probably one of the coolest characters that he, like, that the team created here. But, like, I was astounded at how packed these issues were. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Like, if, I have never read a Moon Knight comic before. These were my first Ooh. time. Yeah, this was my yeah, first yeah. time, like, yeah, picking yeah, up yeah, a Moon yeah, Knight yeah, comic. Yeah, so yeah. that was really exciting for me because I love Moon Knight. Like, I think he's a great character. Um and I felt the same, like, usually when I'm prepping for our comic book club meetings, like, as I'm reading, I'll just keep, like, a little notes page of, like, major plot points. And, like, <laughs> my plot points for these were so much, so much information. Yeah. So much happened. <laughs> is this, you said this is your first, like, time with Moon Knight. Um, this was something that was voted on, right, by your community? Yeah, it was really funny too because we so usually like I'll put the poll up and I'll give it a couple minutes. And it was like a very we we had four comics that we were picking from. So it was Power Man and Iron Fist, Daredevil, Miss Marvel, and this one. And Daredevil and Miss Marvel were like neck and neck like by a vote for like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I voted for Miss Marvel. Like I'm not going to lie. I was kind of I was kind of sad. <laughs> And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, like, I think I'm going to have to post a tiebreaker. I posted the tiebreaker and went back and Moon Knight was like taking the stage. Like, I was just like, whoa, so unexpected. Um, but I was like super pumped when that happened because it's like, it's so exciting. I, I've never read a Moon Knight comic. So to have that like new experience there was so cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I figured we should just start getting into it because the, the book opens with like vampires building a vampire pyramid scheme. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Cracked me up. They're like, once you get to an Omicron level, you'll understand. And I, just, I was come just on, Jess. dying. It's, it's so good. And so then 8-Ball, yeah. we get 8-Ball in the first issue. And like, that's kind of been an ongoing, like as you continue reading this, this like run, Jess, uh, you'll notice that Jed has a lot of fun with 8-Ball. And like, it's become this ongoing gag where he'll just like appear here and there. And... <laughs> I fully forgot that he appears in the first issue. And I'm like, damn it, Jed, like you've planted this since the beginning. He just knew it was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it was his plan all along. <laughs> I think the first issue is really cool because we we not only get to see Moon Knight in action, we also get to see like his different personalities and how they, they kind of situate in the story. So like we do get Mr. Knight. I mean, the book opens with Mr. Knight, um, but you also kind of get to explore you know how he's been doing or dealing with his mental health uh because previous to this i don't know if you've read this already jess but in avengers jason aaron had written an arc in avengers called the age of Khonshu, where moon knight kind of like gets taken over by Khonshu, like he loses it and he pretty much takes over the world uh for on behalf of his god and the avengers have to take him on and so, like, he's kind of, like, dealing with that. And, like, so th the book opens up with him at, like, therapy, pretty much being told by a therapist, like, the Avengers wanted me here because we need to make sure you're okay. You know, maybe we should lay off the crime fighting. And he's just like, no, I have my mission. I protect people at night. And I think that that's what this issue does well. It defines who he is, uh, what he's fighting for, and, like, what that means. And it gets challenged right away with vampires which I thought was an interesting way to go with this. No, I agree. Like, I it's so interesting, too, with each issue. Like, what we were mentioning earlier, how there's so many plot points to this that as soon as one thing's over, the next thing <laughs> just, like, shows up. And there's so much going on that he's, like, dealing with on top of 
his mental health, you know, like he's he's working with that. And then he's also trying to figure out everything going on at night in the neighborhood, like how to help people, but also help himself. And I think that's so interesting. Um, Jasmine, you were mentioning that there's, you know, a bunch of cool things that we see early on in the book. And I, I, I want to drill down on that a little bit because the first issue gives us Reese, the, the, his vampire, like, um, pseudo bestie, you know, partner, uh, it sets up the midnight mission as a, as a like idea and as a place, it gives us Hunter's moon. It gives us vampires who are such a big part of the, the whole run. It gives us the um, introduction of our first big bad with in, in the shadows Zodiac in there. It also sets up the, a great introduction to all things moon Knight, And I think this is really helpful for folks like you, Jess of the therapy session, the way that, that, you know, Mark, that moon Knight, Mr. Knight, as he is right there, sits down to go to therapy. He, he gives us his origin story, his purpose, all of those things. And it's a, it's a way to introduce the character and his world, but also make it part of the story, part of the narrative. It's, it's just a wonderful way to get us connected into all things Mooney. Yeah, that was definitely something that helped me a lot, like reading these. Um, and even just from like past experiences with reading comics, like I know sometimes it can get kind of confusing because they'll like reference other stories and like sometimes they won't give you all the details. So it's like, wait, but how did that happen? Like what's going on? And this was like so clear about everything. Like you were saying, like his backstory and like even like I know they mentioned uh, his time with the West Coast Avengers like in a little bit in there and like even that was like super clear of like what happened even for someone who hasn't read that you know even yeah. the tone of like we, he was an Avenger and he, he's just like West Coast like yeah. let's make it clear it is <laughs> not those Avengers it's like our little <laughs> Avengers Jess like I know, I know you mentioned you didn't read uh, West Coast Avengers but like are you familiar with Tigra like what's your familiarity with her I really don't know much about her. Like I I've seen her character around, but I don't know her history or like anything about her. So it was really cool to like see her and be, have like this whole new character for me that I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Like I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I thought that was, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things in this run. Like I love Tigra and like to see her being fleshed out in a way as not only just a supporting character, but also just like a mainstay in this book was really refreshing. Um, but I, I I was just curious, like, because it's such a, not, a, I wouldn't say an obscure character, but I would say like, you know, like a C-list or a D-list, like Avenger. And I, I just really want to know how she's going to be received by like new audiences who are coming into this book. Because like Jed could have picked any other Avenger. Like he could have picked Hawkeye. He could have picked uh, any of the other like West Coast Avengers, even like Wonder Man. Well, maybe not Wonder Man, but there's other West Coast <laughs> Avengers that he could have gone with as to play this role. And he picked... Tigra. Um, and I think that that's, that's a bold choice. Yeah. I, we should, we should ask Jed at some point about Tigra a little bit more. Just get get his thoughts on, on Tigra. Well, it's a good thing that we have Jed McKay on this call. <laughs> oh my God. Surprise. <laughs> hey, Jed. Hey, how's it going everybody? Hi. Jed, this is Jess, AKA female Peter Parker. So nice to meet hey, you. Hey, <laughs> Honest to meet you. I've loved your Moon Knight run. It's been so awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've been very very lucky that it's uh, 
you know, found an audience. So I'm, I'm happy with how it's been going. Yeah. We've, uh, so Jess is running a, a weekly book club over on Instagram Live. Um, and that's what we're covering this week is the first six issues of Moon Knight. So uh, okay. we were just talking about how much we love Tigra and how we can't wait for oh, yeah. you to do a Cat Avengers book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's the thing. There's, there's so many good cat characters. Right. Though, I mean, if, if I was coming after Hellcat, I'm pretty sure Cantwell would, like, come after me with a, uh, a folding chair. Potentially. But it's okay. I think I think it's worth the chair. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get the rights, the rights it, back yeah. to Heathcliff. We used to publish Heathcliff comics for, like, five <laughs> years. Put Heathcliff on the Avengers. I mean, why not, really? Truly. Yeah. Black Cat, Tigra, Hellcat, Heathcliff, Goose. Look, the lineup writes itself. Like, the book is there. <laughs> Zabu. You're welcome, Judd. There you go. Yeah, there you go, Zabu. I think it's about time uh, we got him back out in the spotlight yeah. a little more. A little bit, always, yeah. Always there in Kazar's shadow. Judd, we were just talking about, like, the characters and, like, why you decided to choose Tigra. Like, it's referenced that, you know, she is she goes back all the way to the West Coast Avengers with Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I kind of, that stood out to me was, like, I, I mean, like, I love Tigra and I'm happy that this choice was made. Mm-hmm. But it was a choice. Like, you could have chosen any other West Coast Avengers, some bigger names like Hawkeye, even like Mockingbird or mm-hmm. Wonder Man, and you went with Tigra. Is there, was there any particular reason why you chose Tigra? Um, I mean, there's the, like, there's that kind of, like, weird romantic history between Mark and Greer back in the West Coast Avengers um, in a way that, you know, there's a relationship that wasn't there between Moon Knight and anybody else on the team. Um, but ultimately, it just kind of came from a, a place where, you know, Tiger is a character I've always found interesting, and she really had a lot of shine in a very specific period of time in Marvel publishing history. But recently, there just kind of hasn't really been a place for her. And I'm just, I'm always kind of on the lookout for characters who don't really have a home anymore and, um, you know, to see what can be done with them uh, and what you know, what sort of new stuff you can kind of shake out of them. Because, you know, I think Tiger's a great character. I think she's got a lot of interesting character stuff. And there's also the thing that it's very easy for me to add a, a supporting character to a book when no one else is doing anything with them, right? So, uh, you know, Tiger kind of laying fallow has been really useful for me. So, yeah, I, I think personality-wise, she's such a, a an opposite to... Um, you know, Mark Spector here in the first six issues, and then just there's the whole Moon Knight uh, system as uh, the book goes on. I, I, I want to dive just a little bit further ahead real quickly, um, because we were really just starting to talk about the beginning of the series. But while we have you on here, as I was rereading this for the first time in now two years, it was wild to me how clear it was, or it seemed that you were like, all right, fingers crossed. We've got six issues out of this. I got to wrap everything yeah. up. And like you get to the end of six and there's like the, a couple of nuggets of like, hey, we can go X, Y, Z with this if we've got more. But it felt so tight. Was that, did you have, when you were putting this together, did you have a pitch to be like, here's the three years of, of Moon Knight I want to do. Here's one year. Here's six issues, Tom. Freaking let me do six issues. <laughs> what was it like? Jeff? Yeah. Well, actually, it was a really privileged position to be in because Marvel had a lot of confidence in Moon Knight, um, I'm assuming because of the TV show coming out. So it was, in a, it was a position where I'm not normally in or hadn't normally been in up to that point where they said, you know, we'll, we'll guarantee you 12 issues off the bat. Um, you know, whatever happens, you've got 12 issues. 
So, you know, plan for that. You've got as, as much runway as you can basically possibly have when you're dealing with a, a book that's just not constantly ongoing. So that gave us a lot of leeway to grow things a little more organically than uh, we normally have opportunity to do, uh, you know, on a, on a book like Moon Knight or, you know, the uh, same with like Black Cat or anything else that uh, worked on. So it was never a situation where I was like, well, because generally if I'm writing a, a pitch, you know, you've got your ripcord issue number five where like, okay, I want 10, hopefully, but if it's going to be five, here's where we end off. Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, your parachute, your, your emergency exit uh, for the series. So thankfully Moon Knight is not one where we had to do that. So I was like, well, here's, here's the first, I think six issues plotted out. Here's general ideas for six to 12. And if we're going after that, then I have some ideas and where we're going next. Jed, uh, I'm curious because this, I mean, we were talking about also in the beginning of this this run, the first issue has Mark dealing with the aftermath of Age of Khonshu. I guess I, I'm curious, how much did like preparation did you, how much reading, like Moon Knight reading did you do? Like, did you go all the way back to like, you know, your, the first couple of issues, West Coast Avengers? Is that why like we get Tigra? No, I mean, it's kind of, it was one of those things where when Tom asked for a pitch for Moon Knight, I knew I was pitching against, uh, I, I don't know how many other people, but you know, it was very clear. It was like, listen, we don't know what we want this book to look like. So we're just looking for ideas. And we've asked a fair amount of people saying, you know, what, what do you want to do with Moon Knight? What, what ideas do you have? And, you know, the best idea will be the one that gets developed. So uh, I was working extremely quickly. I think I turned that pitch around, the first pitch around to Tom in like, you know, a couple days. So, you know, I had read a bunch of Moon Knight, but I wasn't incredibly well versed in the characters. So it's a, partially a thing of like doing very fast, very strategic reading to make sure I'm not uh, repeating beats that have been done before. But it was only after we hit the point where the, the, my pitch was approved, I was chosen to be the writer on the book, that I went back and I'm like, okay, I got to read like as much Moon Knight as I can track down, uh, which, you know, can be tough because I don't think. Uh, there's still good chunks of Moon Knight's history I don't think are available on uh, like Unlimited or something like that. Mm. Um, so you know, a lot of, there's a lot of like wiki diving and uh, you know tracking down appearances and stuff like that. So a lot of it was just kind of like filling in the blanks uh, retroactively while I was working on the book. Um, that first six issues, the first twelve issues, you know, we see a lot of references to past Moon Knight stories, but. You know, my knowledge of Moon Knight at that point in time was uh, wasn't exactly encyclopedic. So, but I'm getting there now. I'm getting there now. <laughs> yeah, I would love to know more about like your creation of Hunter's Moon because I thought that character was so interesting and just like his appearance throughout the first six issues and um, his relationship with with Mark and like you know how he's trying to like fix him, sort of say. Yeah, that's that's uh, something I really have to credit uh, Tom Brevoort for. Um, Hunter's Moon came from one of the first parts of the like my very first pitch, and because it went back and forth a lot, uh, and, you know, a lot of things changed. I, I went back and read it for the first time in a while because I was going through my uh, documents, and I was like, "Oh wow, there's very little left of this uh, in what became Moon Knight. It's probably for the better." Um, but yeah, that it came from an idea that. There were, you know, there's another Fist of Conchu 
that point of t- but at that point in time in the process, there was going to be a whole pile of them. They're going to be all from all kinds of different nations. And Hunter's Moon wasn't even called Hunter's Moon then. He was called uh, he was just called Bader. Um, you know, there's a Greek one. There was uh, ones from other. It was a whole thing. And Tom just was like, "Listen, I think this is an interesting idea, but you're really diluting it. We can't have. You don't really want to have this whole, you know, pack of you know fists of conchu around the world." But if you distill it down to one other one, then that's interesting. Because immediately you get your left and your right hand, or left and right fist. Um, you've got your, you know, to frame a, you know, a Jewish guy and a guy raised Muslim who are both working for another God, but to frame it in a, you know, in a Christian context, you've got your New and Old Testament, right? Um, and that's, like, that's immediately when the idea clicked. Because I'm like, well, yeah, that is a much better thing to have this one guy who turns up and says like, listen, you're not doing it right. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're being a heretic, you're being a, you know, a schismatic and we're going to put you back on the right path. And so Hunter's Moon is a character who is, you know, very staid, very, um, very zealous, but very pious as well. Um, you know, as I say, no one is more zealous or no one is more pious than a convert. And we see that with Hunter's Moon. Uh, when you get to issue 50, I want to see the glutes of Conchu. I want to see <laughs> the, the ankles of Conchu. I want to see the uh, the forehead of Conchu, all the body parts. That's where you can bring all those other characters. I in. mean, I think that's all Hunter's Moon because every time Alessandro draws him, he's bigger and beefier than the last time. It's awesome. Boy. So he, he really does feel huge in this. Well, book. that's the thing is like, I wanted him to be much bigger than Moon Knight. Uh, like he's just uh, just an enormous Egyptian dude who, uh, <laughs> but also like you know wears a waistcoat and little glasses. Um, yeah, it's 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 he's a character I really enjoy, and I'm really glad that it worked out. Number six was where we get his backstory, right? Which was an, is an issue I was really concerned about because I'm talking about a character who's coming from a country and a religion that's not my own, um, and talking about you know fraught things like leaving one faith behind in order to follow the comic book version of another. So you know, I was lucky enough to speak with uh, the artist Ahmed uh, Rafat. In uh, it's an English guy, he's but of Egyptian background, and so you know he read it for me and kind of said like, "This is what works. This is what doesn't work." Um, and I was like, okay, is this going to get people mad at me? Or like, have I really screwed this up? So uh, I was very lucky to get uh, his help on that. And, uh, you know, trying to give it a, a sense of authenticity uh, as much as I could. I just wanted to know a little bit more about, like, your experience with the fan reception for um, this series of comics specifically, like, especially as more um, fans, excuse me, mm-hmm. of Moon Knight have been like joining and learning more about the character. Like how has your experience with that been? It's been good. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, you know, no book is going to make everybody happy. It's just not the way it's going to work. But for the most part, I've actually been really, um, I've been surprised and pleased by the, the fan response to Moon Knight. It's, it's a book that people are really into. And also it's a book that people are really championing, which is nice to see, um, you know, when people take that, take that book and make it a cause. Uh, and you know, it's, it's moving a lot of copies. A lot of people are, it's getting into a lot of people's hands. So uh, I've been, I've been very happy with it. And, you know, most of the people I talk to are quite happy with the book. So uh, I'm, uh, I really couldn't, uh, couldn't expect it to go any better. That's great. That's awesome. 
Well, thanks again, Jed. This was this was so much fun. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to pop in for a little bit here. Um, I I know you already saw it. I tried to show it on camera. It didn't work. But behind me is my billboard with the amount of issues oh, yeah. of Avengers that you've written without Black Hat on the team. I'm wait, I'm still waiting. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't know if you guys were recording, but uh, the Eisner list just went live and we're, we're up for an Eisner for Mary Jane and Black Hat Beyond. Mm-hmm. So, so Black Hat's profile is getting up there. Maybe, you know, maybe she's appropriate for the Avengers now. Who knows? She's making money moves. I'm here for exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jed. Thanks again. Congrats, Jed. Yeah, congrats. See you, Jed. Jed's nice. Yeah, that was great. He had like such in-depth responses to everything too. So great to hear like his um, like experiences writing it and like how fans have been receiving it and everything. It was so cool. He's very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we're wrapping up talking about Moon Knight, I mean, Jed was really great about giving us a lot of stuff. I, I was thinking as I was rereading it about the the way that this first arc is structured. And, you know, the first couple of issues and you talked about it jasmine is like each one you can kind of read them as their own but i think the way they did it is really smart because you get introduction you get some new characters you get a lot of the action then we build a little bit of the world we build a little bit of the world and then in four and five we are deep into mark's psychology and we're getting that that sense of who he is you you build on this foundation of of violence and action and the, and badassery, but then you really take it and, and sort of seal it with the emotion and the character stuff deep in there. Um, and then you start sprinkling on the continuity so that you feel invested in this character when you're getting like all the heady stuff of the age of Kanchu and then the, the, his family that is like disappeared from him and all this other stuff. It's man, I want to curse so much. It's so good. This arc is so dang great. <laughs> no, that got me thinking about like, oh, I can't remember what issue it was. Um, but the, the art of like, when we get to see inside Mark's brain mm. and they have like the sarcophaguses with like, yeah, like Steven and Jake, like, Oh, it was just so good. That was like, mm. that was one moment that definitely stuck out to me from, from these first six is just like, Oh, it was so interesting to have that like perspective into his mind, you know? But it's also like Jed just planting the seed. Like, oh no, I haven't forgotten about these other personalities. Mm-hmm. Like, they're we're gonna just like plant these seeds in here. We'll return to it. But why are they in a sarcophagus? Don't worry about it. We'll we'll explore that later. Um, but like, we got to talk about the villain that gets us to that scene, which is the like creepy janitor, like apartment <laughs> super who has psychedelic bri- brainwashing sweat. Uh, that he's been feeding to his tenants, which was such a weird, like, I remember when I first read this and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is bizarre and I'm here for it. I had the same reaction. (laughs) It was like Spider-Verse again, just like, what is happening? (laughs) And then like Mark, like licking it off of his little crescent moon thing. Like, I was like, what? It's like so the intense. art, the art that like Alessandro does there in that scene is so like it makes you cringe. It makes you like, oh, it gave me like chills because it is such a like it's paced out really well and slow. And like, here's Mark just, you know, like you said, licking it off of one of his moon darts. But like even before <laughs> that, you get the janitor wiping his sweat, his forehead with one and just taking a sweet time being like, here, lick it like you. <laughs> 
Jess, are you, have you, or will you keep on with the series? I know there's a lot to read and there's constantly new recommendations coming, but is this one you think you'll stick with? I think it's definitely one I'll keep reading. Yeah. I need, I, you know what I need to do? I need to like start making a list of all the things that I need to continue reading because <laughs> what happens is I'm like, I got to keep reading this and then we'll start another one. And I'm like, Oh no, now I got to keep reading this. And then we'll start it's like, just a, over and over. like a pull list maybe you know, like a pull list. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jess, uh, I know that this reading club has already aired like on your Instagram live. Um, but what's, what's to come? Like, what are, what do you got coming up? Yeah. So we should be having another one. Uh, we usually have them on Sundays at one thirty, on Instagram. Lots of fun stuff. Um, one thirty yeah. Eastern, one thirty Eastern standard time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we'll talk comics and have a great time. And I've been having so much fun talking with everybody about them. I'm super pumped to talk more about what we're picking for this week and yeah, it's going to be great. Love it. Um, and then you have a promo code that you have been giving people uh, for Marvel Unlimited. So I wanted to give our listeners a quick shot um, to also kind of, you know, jump in here uh, as, you know, it's a good excuse to get into a new comic, like go read Moon Knight if you haven't already. Uh, but we have a code that you can redeem at marvel.com slash FPP, uh, female Peter Parker. And the code is FPP. 2023 so fpp2023 and uh you get a free month of access to marvel unlimited which is awesome you can read so many comics in that time (laughs) it's like so many (laughs) look it's summertime kids aren't in school anymore time to like get in there the perfect time to do it honestly uh thanks for joining us again jess this was this was a lot of fun and good luck thank you for having me it's been so great thanks jess Big thanks once again to Jess, a.k.a. female Peter Parker, who came on the show and follow her. Get ready for more of her reading clubs and uh, more of our reading clubs as we do one every week. All right, that wraps it up for us. This episode of Marvel Pullist was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrada. Brad Barton is Pullist Senior Manager of Audio, Production, and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pullist at marvel.com. You can also use the hashtag Marvel's Pullist and okay to read Marvel's Pullist. Uh, rate and subscribe. Tell a friend about the show and uh, let us know how we're doing. Yeah. Five stars. Of course, for more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash pullist. Quote rules, terms, and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's fullest quote of the week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe.